Well, good morning. It's good to see you all here today, those of you that are attending in person, those of you that are watching online. Uh, We're continuing our series of messages we're calling Courageous out of the book of Joshua uh, from the Old Testament, and we are on week seven. So let's get right into it. Sound good? What kind of inheritance do you want to leave your loved ones? Can I be can I be adopted into your family? <laughs> For those online, she said lots of money. You ever think about inheritance? Maybe some of you you've received an inheritance. Maybe you've had family members that have passed on and so you're trying to figure out what do I do and who do I bless and what does this look like? Isn't it interesting you can actually kind of divide inheritance into a couple different categories. There's physical inheritance, but there's also a spiritual inheritance. Now, out of these two, which one would you say we spend more time focused on talking about getting investors involved, all of those things? Which one? Physical. Physical. Ah, Same thing as the last service. Out of these two, which one do you think is more important? Wow, and you guys realize that anybody else think differently than that? So maybe we have it backwards. Maybe we spend so much time on the here and now and our earthly possessions. We don't often think about what the spiritual legacy is that we're leaving for those that come after us. Well, today we're going to be diving back into Joshua. But before we do, I want to go back to Deuteronomy, another Old Testament book. Because I think this will really help us set up this whole idea of inheritance today. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, These are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So this is God speaking to Moses. And Moses is telling the people of Israel, Hey, when you cross over the Jordan, when you go into the promised land, here's what you need to remember. And you need to remember these things so that you and your children... And then their children, after them, may fear the Lord their God. Is this a spiritual inheritance or a physical inheritance? Spiritual inheritance. I want you to think about that. As long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I have given you. Fear God. Love God. Put God first in your life. And oh, by the way, here's the things. Here's the guidelines that he has for our lives. He knows better than us the way that we should operate on this earth. And if we do, if we're willing to come under God's authority, we recognize who he is and live by his decrees, his commands, his rules for us. Look at what it says at the end. That you may enjoy a long life. Does anyone want to enjoy life? Anybody feel like they're not enjoying life? Anybody feel like sometimes life just kicks you around? It's just difficult? I've had one of those weeks where it feels like life just, man, doesn't make sense. And there's always these hurdles and hardships and different conversations and different circumstances to work with. And you get to a point where you get to the end of your week and you're just drained. You're just exhausted. Yet somehow God in his grace and his mercy, he always lifts us up, doesn't he? He always has a way of of even taking the, the most painful parts of life 
and giving us a calming spirit and giving us a peace. A few verses later in Deuteronomy, it says this, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Because these promises were made so long ago. It says, A large, or a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide. Wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. And then when you eat and are satisfied, here's the warning. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord. Is this a physical or a spiritual inheritance? This is the physical here at first here, isn't this? This is the physical inheritance of the land that we're going to be looking at today in our text. We're going to be looking at how have they've gone throughout Joshua and they've gone throughout the region and they fought battle after battle and sometimes they're the ones that are fighting, sometimes God is the one fighting for them and they've been taking over strategic areas of, of the land at this time. And so today, that's what we're actually going to be looking at, is they're actually going to be dividing up the land and receiving their inheritance. So today, we're going we're gonna to actually cover nine chapters. Does that sound good? How many of you think I can cover nine chapters in 30 minutes? How many of you have faith that I can do this? See, it's funny because at, at the first service, my countdown clock didn't work, and I just saw that as a sign from the Lord. <laughs> that we got all day. Now they got it working again, so I guess I'll have to stay on track. Here's the other thing that we're going to look at, because I know many of you have been following us along, and you've been doing the reading plan, you've been doing the car ride, couch side questions, or the dig deeper questions. Uh, did any of you, you began to read the chapters for this week? Anybody? Okay, did you get through it all? Or did you get to chapter 13 and you just went, I think I'll just wait and see what Tim has to say on Sunday. I know this week in particular was really hard to read. In fact, these are those texts in the Bible when you scratch your head and go, this doesn't mean anything to my life. Why do I even have to read this? These places don't matter. Like what, what's going on here? It just seems so monotonous. And today what I'm going to encourage you to see is even though there's difficult things in scripture and even though there's things that maybe sometimes we don't always understand, they're still beneficial to us. And they're even beneficial to us on a, on a bigger scale, on a larger scale, because they point to actual people and actual locations and actual things that take place. And so together we are. We're going to get through nine chapters. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And so if you want to grab one of the chair Bibles that are in front of you, uh, page 188. If you don't have a Bible, please take one home with you today. If you're watching online, grab your Bible or click on the Bible tab on the screen, and you're going to be able to do that. And as you're turning to page 188, uh, just to help you understand how this breaks down, for the last several weeks, we've been going through chapters 1 through 12. And these are basically all of the areas that they have taken over. Today is all about their inheritance and how they're going to divide up all this land. And then next week, the final week, we're going to end with kind of Joshua's final message to these people that he's been leading. So make sure that you're here next week as we conclude uh, the book of Joshua. So you ready, Joshua chapter 13? You all there? Joshua chapter 13, verse 1. This is God's word. Ready? Now Joshua was old and advanced in years. Isn't that great? Isn't it interesting that there's kind of two concepts in this? That he's old, but he's also advanced in years. 
See, there's a difference. There's a difference between how old you are and by the time that you were born versus the time that it is now and how many years you've been on this earth. But there's also an old in the mental state that you have. And isn't it interesting, sometimes you meet older people and they don't act their age, do they? And the reason they don't act their age is because they don't think that they're old. They, they think that they're young, and so they just embrace life from a different perspective. And so here you have Joshua. He's old and advanced in years. And as I read something like this, it makes me stop and pause and go, do I feel old, tired, and just simply worn out? Yes. Anybody else feel old, tired, and worn out? Can I be honest with you? Even watching those little clips that we've been making around our church, and I'm like, man, there is a lot of wrinkles in my forehead. Where did those bags come from? Why is my beard so white? What, who, they should stop putting me. I literally sit there in the front row and go, they should stop using me in these videos. Anybody else feel this way? Come on, be honest with me this morning. And you know what's worse? You know what's worse than, than, than coming to the place in your own life where you just feel old and worn out? Is when somebody else points it out. You know what I'm talking about? When people go, wow, you just look tired. That's not flattery. Look at what happens next in our text. The Lord says to Joshua, you are old and advanced in years. He confirms it for him. I don't know what's worse, having a friend do this or having God tell you you're old. But then if you flip it, you think to yourself, okay, wait a second, Joshua, you were a slave back in Egypt. Hey, Joshua, you spent 40 years in the wilderness. In fact, you were Moses' right-hand man for a lot of that, and you did so many incredible things. And Oh, by the way, you're the one that took over the leadership of the Israelites right as they were on the edge of the Jordan River, and you got to lead them into the Promised Land, and you've been spending these last seven years fighting all of these battles and, and managing everybody's problems and just trying to be the leader that God had called you to be. Is this the moment now that God is recognizing everything that you've done where you're going to get your retirement papers? Is this it, Joshua? You're going to get the keys now to your village by the Sea of Galilee? You're going to get your inheritance for all of your hard work? That sounds about right, doesn't it? What do you think God says to him? Those of you with open Bibles, no. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. There remains yet very much land to possess. Can you imagine being Joshua? I'd be like, seriously? Can't you pick somebody else? There's people on all sides. You, can ra you raised me up. You can raise somebody else up. It's time to pass the mantle, and that's not what he does. And if you read from verse 2 on down, what does God do? You've got to go here and here and here and here and this and this and this and this and all these places and places and things that still need to be done. And I love this. I love this about scripture. In fact, in verse 6, God says this to him. I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance. As I have commanded you, now divide up the land. So now think of this. He goes from being the commander of the army, from being the leader of the people, 
from winning all of these battles to now all of a sudden he is a township assessor. What a dream job, right? Anybody work in government in here? Anybody work in local government? Wouldn't that be an incredible job? He's got to figure out now how to honor God's promises and to figure out how to work with all these people groups who are now looking at the land and saying, oh, there's some cool sets of trees over here or there's some water over here or I really want to live by the river so I want to be over here. No, I want, I want oceanfront property so our tribe would like to, to manage over here. It's like another whole career that he's starting. Do you see the significance of just Joshua 13? Anybody else find that fascinating? Yeah. Look at chapter 14. Chapter 14, we're introduced to a guy named Caleb. And if you don't know Caleb, he's, uh, he was someone that when he was 40 years old, was picked. There was 12 guys that, that were picked. And he was one of the 12 guys by Moses early on, way before any of this happened, to go and to spy on the promised land. And when these 12 spies came back, only Joshua and Caleb were the only two that said we could actually take this land. That God, if you promised it, we can certainly do this. So Caleb's one of the one of kind of the heroes of the Old Testament. And so it makes sense that he would get brought back up in this passage. And I love this because Caleb goes and he says, and now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel walked in the wilderness, and now behold, how old is he? To this day, I am 85 years old. You ever wonder, man, this book of Joshua really talks a lot about people's ages and a lot about people being in, in that season of life. And so here he goes and he approaches Joshua. And he says, I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Talk about a mindset to have. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how they came among us with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. And you knew that he knew he didn't have the strength that he used to have when he was 40. He's 85 years old. But he knew that if God was with him, that he could still fight, that he could still win battles. And I love it because he didn't wait for Joshua to come to him. And Joshua didn't have to come to him and say, Caleb, in, in your tribe, in your people group, here's what I've decided. You guys are going to get this portion of land. No, he says, I remember the promise that Moses made to me. I remember what it was that, that we were guaranteed, and I've patiently waited, and I'm so glad that God has kept me alive for 85 years, that I get to see this unfold before my eyes. And so Joshua, will you please keep the, the, the commitment that Moses and God made to me? And of course, he honors that. And they're able to take their inheritance. They, they possess this part of the land that was guaranteed to them. What's really interesting is you read the next three chapters, Joshua 15, 16, and 17. Because the allotment of Judah was given, the allotment of Joseph was given, and the allotment of Manasseh was given. So they divvied it all out. Don't you like how we just did three chapters in one slide? <laughs> and you can read through that, and you can read all of the incredible places, and how that all, you know, when it went from this rock to this tree to this water bank to this, 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 this. He divides it all up. But there's some nuggets in these three chapters 
If you're willing to dig in, if you're willing to read it, they're kind of fascinating. A couple of them that just made me pause this week, and one of them actually starts in Joshua 15, right down in verse 18. And there's this woman named Asha, and she comes to Othniel, who's her husband, and she urges him to ask her father. And oh, by the way, her father just happens to be Caleb, one of the, you know, celebrities uh, at the time, for a field. And I thought, oh, wait a second, this is interesting. So a day and age when so often, you know, women seem to be silenced, or women don't have maybe what we would think is a voice. And we know that times were different back then and, and who could do what and the rules and all of those kinds of things. But yet, do you know all throughout scripture, men and women have always been equal before God? That, that women play an important role in, in the history of, uh, of God and Christianity as much as men do? Did you know that? And so even as we've gone through Joshua, and maybe it seems like it's male-dominated, like we're always talking about male figures in war, here's this little nugget found in Joshua chapter 15. And I love this because it says, and she got off what? Isn't that cool? Those of you with daughters, those of you that are young ladies in this room or your women in this room, it's her donkey. She gets off her own donkey. And she goes to... Caleb and says to her, what do you want? Which is what every father says to their daughter, right? <laughs> what do you want? She says to him, give me a blessing. Since you have given me the land, give me also springs of water. Dad, I don't just want the land. I mean, she was trying to get her husband to do this. I don't just want the land. I want a little bit of water on my land. And so what does he do? He gives her the upper and lower springs. Isn't that cool? He gave her the upper and lower to Kwamnon Falls. <laughs> and sometimes you wonder, even in our lives, do we not have certain things in our lives because we just don't ask God for them? See, Jesus told his disciples, you have not because you ask not. And we start, sometimes sit around and go, well, how come they're getting blessed and they're getting blessed and they're getting blessed and they're this and they're this and there's... Well, first of all, have you invited God into this situation? Have you asked him to bless you? Because that may be what's preventing you from receiving whatever it is that you are pursuing. A couple of chapters later in Joshua 17, there's another account. And it's kind of buried in there at the very beginning where there's a, there's a father. He, he's uh, uh, one of the sons of Manasseh. And he didn't have any sons, okay? In fact, he didn't have one, two, or three. He had five daughters. Five daughters. Check this out. This is so cool. And you know what it says in chapter 17? That the daughters go to Joshua and they say, hey, we don't have any brothers, but that doesn't mean we don't want our inheritance and we don't want our land. And Joshua says, you're right. So he turns and he gives them the land that was promised to them again. Women that spoke up. Again, women that weren't afraid to stand up for the promises that were due to them. Well, some of you, you might have saw this incredible, handsome man playing the piano this morning. Did any of you guys see that? His name's John. You might not know that. His name's John. He's actually engaged to one of our singers who was over here. Her name's Ashley. Did any of you guys know Ashley Loreno? Did you guys know they're engaged? Do you guys know they're only a month away from getting married? Isn't that impressive? Pray for them. <laughs> um, 
And here they are. They could be stressing out. You could, they're in the front row. You could be making centerpieces. You could be, I don't know what you do when you're planning a wedding, whatever. And here you are serving the Lord. And John and I were talking, and he gave me permission to share this story because we're friends on Facebook. And he kept posting on his Facebook everything in his house for sale. And I was like, are you, are you, did you lose your house? Are you okay? Are you homeless? Like, what is going on? And he said, Tim, Tim, I'm getting married. And there's some things that Ashley wants to change in my house. And I said, just tell her no. <laughs> it's worked, no, it doesn't work great for me. Um, and he said this, and it was so great, because he said this. He said, I had to come to a place in my life where I realize that the man may be the head of the house, but the woman is the heart of the home. Amen. Is that a smart man or what? I did tell him, I said, that's why I don't make any decisions for paint colors. I, don't, I let Lisa, my wife, pick all that stuff. I don't care. Whatever you want, honey. But that's what you're seeing here. You're seeing women step up and, and, and wanting to be part of their future, wanting to work together. So I think that's really cool. Joshua, as we continue, 18, says the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they come out, they set up a tent, and they have a meeting. And again, I love this. I love whenever they all gather together because we still do this today. We have congregational meetings where people can come out and they can share their opinions. You guys know we've been doing these focus groups uh, the last four weeks. And if you didn't see yet today, you're going to be getting an email and you're going to be able to read what everybody else submitted. Okay, it's 82 pages. And so I need you all to finish that before midnight tonight, okay? But this is how we roll here at Shepherd's Gate. We don't have any secrets for you. We don't need to hide anything. You want to know what everybody else uh, has as far as input in this process as we seek God's direction for our future and the land that he has blessed us with here at Shepherd's Gate. Here it is. And so here they're having this meeting, and they can see that the land has been subdued. They know what God has blessed them with. But then what does it say? There remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not been and yet appointed. And you think to yourself, well, wait a second here. You got Caleb who's not afraid to get out. You got Judah who's not afraid to get out. You got some of these other tribes that aren't afraid to, to go and to figure out what their inheritance is and to work with Joshua and all the details of, of, of the land that they're now going to settle in. Why are these seven tribes kind of just plain it laid back? It goes on to say this. So Joshua says to the people, how long will you put off going in to take possession of the land which God had promised to you? which you know God had promised your fathers. What are you doing? Why are you sitting on your hands? And I look at this, I read this, and I think, have things really changed that much in a few thousand years? Not, not, not one iota, right? We have a congregational meeting, and we say, we need everybody that calls Shepherd's Gate home to get involved in this. And everyone signs up and gets involved in it, don't they? <laughs> When we do our annual step out and serve event, where we say we're going to go into the community, 
We're going to subdue the community, right? We're going to go all over Metro Detroit. We're going to place people in all sorts of areas to serve. We're even not, we're even going to, we're even going to move Sunday morning worship to Friday night so that if your routine is to come on Sunday morning, you can use that time as your worship to serve God in your community. And the first Sunday that we announce it, do you know every single person signs up to serve? No, that's not what happens. We had to like wait four weeks. You had to do like a four to six week sign up to get people involved, to get people doing this. And it's so funny just even thinking of this from a human behavior standpoint. Looking at the fact that sometimes there are people that are go-getters, aren't there? There are people that are like, I know the promises of God. I've waited 85 years for the promises of God. Joshua, give me what has been promised to me. There's others that are like, hey, we know that this is the land that we want to settle in. And so here it is, and here's the, here's the terms. And so Joshua, divide up the land for us. But yet at the same time, equally as important, there are people that just don't get it, that don't understand, that maybe just think they're too busy, or they don't have time, or they're just ap- apathetic, or they're just kind of lethargic, or whatever the case is that's not helping them engage in the promises that God has for them. Again, Maybe we don't have because we don't ask God. And so here he is. He's kind of prodding these people, and he comes up with this plan. And he says to them that they're going to... I don't know what I just did. He said that he's going to go and have them go out into... wherever. Where's the one that says where they go? (laughs) Here it is. Provide three men from each tribe and send them out that they may set out and go up and down the land. So he has to come up with the plan for them. Hey, you guys, I don't want to be here all day. I don't want to be the assessor of Israel for the rest of my life. So let's get this land going. Pick three guys. Go look. Come back. And so ultimately they come back and he casts lots and he figures out how to divide up the land. So finally, finally, right? Everybody has their land. And so in Joshua 18, Benjamin, he's now got his land. Then... The second lot, the third lot, the fourth lot, the fifth lot, the sixth lot, and the seventh lot. So those seven in Benjamin, or those six and seventh, eighth, all of them now are covered. Everybody has the land that they're supposed to have. And you want to see Joshua's pretty map this morning? Wouldn't that be cool? Look at this. I mean, imagine the work this guy had to put into this. This is incredible. That's what it looks like. Makes sense, doesn't it? Which tribe would you want to belong to? Would you want a little Mediterranean of sea property? Yes. <laughs> would you rather be by the Dead Sea? Those of you that like to fish, nah, I'd rather be by the Jordan River. Or, or the Sea of Galilee where Jesus spent all sorts of time. Isn't that interesting? It's not really that different than where we live, is it? I mean, Metro Detroit and the lines and the graphs. And this is why it's really cool to go to Israel which hopefully we're going to be able to lead a trip here pretty soon because you get to see these places, that they're real places, and that there's markers. There's markers specifically for the book of Joshua and what took place during this time period. And they have actual archaeological digs of some of these things and the people that settled there. God always fulfills his promises, doesn't he? And even now, as you look at this and you think how long ago this was, well, how does this work for today? And so here's really a map of what it looks like now in Israel. And you think to yourself, this little tiny piece of land, Israel, the entire country is the size of the state of New Jersey. And yet, even to this day, it's one of the most contested lands on the planet. These people are always 
living and trying to do everything they can to not be wiped off the face of the earth. And so it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. This physical land, this physical inheritance has a spiritual inheritance tied to it. And the devil wants to do everything he can to destroy everything that God has created and everything that God has promised to his children. Think of that. Think of all of the history, all of the wars over all of these years, even in the day and age that we live in, in the wars and the rumors of wars that we hear about, and the attacks that could take place even on this land, and the way that even our country and the partnerships that we have, and all of these things. Yet it's all tied back to God's word. Isn't that incredible? Absolutely incredible. Joshua 19 when they had finished uh, distributing the several territories of the land and the inheritance, people of Israel gave an inheritance among them to who? Now, isn't this a cool leadership lesson for those of you that God has blessed and allow you to serve in a leadership capacity? That Joshua, after he got his new orders from God that he was going to be Israel's assessor, why wouldn't he have just said, you know what, I'm going to do my plot first? I'm going to go and find the best place for myself and my family. Don't you think he kind of earned it? I mean, he started off as a slave, went around 40 years in a desert. He's one that had to lead him over the Jordan, take the land, spent seven years fighting battles. I mean, remember, he's old and he's advanced in years. And that's not what he does. He lets everybody else have input. He lets everybody else kind of work together to figure out how they're going to divide up all this land. And then when everybody else is settled, Josh, Joshua, being the amazing, humble leader that he is, says, okay, this is where my family is going to plant. This is the land that we're going to develop. Absolutely incredible. Any of you read Joshua 20? It's really weird. It's so weird, we're going to save it for next week. Okay? So come back next week. Joshua 21. The Lord then gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Rest. Do you love that word? Anybody need rest this morning? Do you know that by being in church, you're resting? Do you know as we receive communion in a few moments that when you receive communion, you're resting? When you sing songs of praise to God, you're resting. When you pray, you're resting. When you get together with your small group and you share life together, you're resting. There's a rhythm that God gives us in life. And we just happen to live in a time and a day and an age when we're just constantly on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And yet God here, think of this. He didn't just give them rest from war. He gave them rest from having to pick up their stuff and continue to move around and be displaced over and over and over again. I mean, I can't even imagine the magnitude of this moment when they're finally like, we're here. We're finally here. We finally have everything settled. And in the last verse, Joshua 21 it says, not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. 
it goes right back to God and giving God all the credit and realizing it's God who has worked mightily in their hearts and their lives. That's who is in charge. That's who's leading our lives. That's the one who knows our future. So let me end with this. What's our inheritance today? What has God given us? His Son, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Do you know that you have everything that you need for this life? That God has already given it to you? And it's in the person and work of Jesus Christ? Ephesians put this, puts it this way. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's he who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And our inheritance is eternal life in heaven. But here's the good news for you. You don't have to wait until you die. You experience eternal life the moment the Holy Spirit grips your heart and life. You now, because you are a soul and your soul is more important than your physical body, just as the, the spiritual inheritance is more important than a physical inheritance, you now are living in eternity. The only thing that's going to change is you get to shed this physical body. Isn't that incredibly good news? Through faith in Jesus and what he has done for you. So I'll end with this. We're all living in a dash. And oftentimes people go, okay, this is when you were born. This is what you say at funerals, right? And then this is when the person passed away. And maybe for you, you're like this wonderful couple in the front. It's you're engaged. John, you got 30 days and then you're married. <laughs> Students, you're in school. You want to graduate. You're in college. You want your degree. You're looking for a job. You're going to get a job. We're all living in this period of time. And thanks be to God that he holds time in his hand. And that he's the one that continues to lead and guide us all of our earthly days on this earth. And the inheritance that we experience is far greater than anything this world could ever offer us. Amen.